Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to another edition, preseason edition of the Warriors All-82 podcast. I said All-82, I'm at plus minus both, although all 82 games are coming. Marcus Thompson is here. Tim Kawakami isn't. Back to an 82-game schedule this year. Oh, I forgot last year wasn't 82. <laughs> 72, and a condensed 72. They started on December 22nd last year. I wonder what's going to be, uh, what's going to feel harder for the players, last year's 72 or this year's 82? I think... 80, I think 72 last year, considering all of the, you know, I mean, you heard it a little bit during the season, but all the testing protocols and different COVID just complications that they went through and 72 games crunched into less time. This 82 is very spread out. It's back to the normal schedule. And if you are vaccinated, uh, you got a lot less to do on a daily basis as far as like COVID protocols go. So my guess would be, you will hear by midseason. This is much better than last season for them. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely good to to get back to our routine. You know, as close as we can to it. Uh, you know, from our perspective, you know, it'll be nice to maybe see a locker room, maybe just kind of get like a normal vibe again. Uh, so the eighty two is probably step one for for me. But man, oh, I tell you oh, what, Slater. Hey. Event the, level is the big step I want. Yes. I just want to be back on event level. Last event level is good, yeah. I'll tell you what, though. That December start last year was pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was nice. We had an entire fall and early winter. I mean, it, it was nice, but at the same time, like it was just under such weird circumstances. I, I'm just surprised they didn't use this as an opportunity to revisit the schedule. I think they used it as an opportunity to discuss revisiting the schedule. And then decided, and then they said, decided, let's go with what we had. Huh? I think a lot of it is the TV deals, the need for 70 local games and all the different, you know, to fill. That, but man, the summer with basketball was great. Like the playoffs going into July. You like that? Out. Yeah, I like that. What I didn't like about that is the condensed nature of this offseason. I mean, I covered the finals with Phoenix and in, in Milwaukee. Um, that does not feel that long ago. You want to know what's crazy? The Lakers won a title, like, basically a calendar year ago. Not even. There's been, like, two titles won. There's been two NBA drafts in the last 10 months. The Warriors have not had James Wiseman for more than 10. I think it's about 10 months now. Um, so That's it's just, like, November, huh? yeah, they've yeah. packed two titles, two drafts, everything in the last, like, 10 months. And a lot of that is because think about how much time was missed, you know, when COVID hit. But um, it's – I I'm glad to be back to, to what I'm used to. And maybe it's just, you know, creature habit, whatever, but I want my long off season too. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm definitely for the, the off season returning to a normal length. I'll say finish in August, start in December. You good. I yeah. like. Yep. All right. Um, 
I wanted to go, you know, media days, Monday training camp is Tuesday. It's crazy. It's hard to hear. Uh, I wanted to go over some topics that I think will kind of uh, define the, the, the early uh, part of practices maybe next week uh, and start with really kind of, I guess, the news of the week. Uh, injury updates on Clay Thompson, James Wiseman. The Clay Thompson one to me is really kind of non-news. Um, we've known for a while that, you know, coming off an Achilles, which again, like I said, I know it might seem like he's tore the Achilles over a year ago. He, he's at the 10-month mark Saturday, I believe, since, since he got surgery on the Achilles. So he's not really close to practicing. I don't expect to. I know he's not going to practice at all in the preseason. Um, floating target probably – still in the December, January range of his return, nothing new there. The wise one, won a little bit more surprised considering Bob Myers exit interview, Steve Kerr's, uh, I talked to him in Vegas in July and there was a little bit more outward optimism that maybe James Wiseman would get a training camp, uh, which he didn't get last year because of COVID didn't get any preseason games. It's part of the reason he was kind of behind this early in the season. Uh, he's going to be there. He's going to be on the court. He's going to be in every meeting. He's going to be doing some individual stuff, but the fact that he will not be in a full contact practice until at the earliest, according to them, October 15th, which is the six month mark of his meniscus surgery. Uh, it's, it's more, it's not necessarily a setback on the warrior season, although we can get to that. It's just more, you know, just developmental stunting of James Wiseman, which is a problem in the long term. But I do think that's a setback. Uh, w- one thing we're learning about Wiseman is as physically gifted as he looks, he isn't exactly a fast healer, right? And it's very common for seven footers to be slow healers anyway, right? Just because it's so they're so big and you're dealing with their wheels. But setbacks for him take a while, right? <laughs> like he he's on the shelf for a while. I do feel like it's a setback because Bob Myers has said repeatedly he wants to see the team. Like he wants to see these guys. And the, this is a chance you won't get to see him. And his issue is minutes. His issue is reps. So he's not getting them, which means he's going to have to do this again where he's kind of finding his feet in games that matter, right? He's kind of finding his rhythm and learning how to play and learning where to go in situations where they kind of need him to know. So, it, you know, what this makes me think they, they kind of need another center. Uh, you know, I know they wanted a ball handler and I know they're looking at some ball handlers and I'm, you know, I'm rooting for Gary Payton a second, but that is my just, next topic. So we will get to that. I, I just, I just feels like with Wiseman, you're just going to have to be more cautious. You, you're going to have to anticipate that whatever the timeline is, you know, how they say four to six weeks, it's going to be six weeks with him, right? It's going to be the back end of whatever the estimation is. And, you know, maybe it shouldn't be that way, right? Maybe they should treat him like Strasburg, right? <laughs> like Strasburg? Yeah, Steven Strasburg, right? <laughs> like, hold on, man. We just go set you down just because in case, right? Because he clearly is, you know, a future core piece. But this is the, the initial injury that delayed him. The wrist, you know, uh, then the meniscus. Like, we've seen him not be on the Clay Thompson side of returning or Clay Thompson before he... You know, guy. Remember how Clay used to bounce back from everything? Like, he's not that dude. Uh, and he looks like he could be that dude, though. Physically, when you see him, he's like, yo, this dude is a marvel. Like, nothing can break him. But maybe it's different at the age of 24 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Not, yeah. 
And he's, I mean, he's seven foot, dude. Like, he's not skinny, right? Like, just a lot of weight, a lot of mass, and they're right to be careful with it. But, I mean, well, this is the what other we talked about is, all last year is the other him thing, getting a full camp with him. The other thing, and this is different. I mean, Clay actually did get hurt initially on a, on a dunk attempt, kind of a wild dunk attempt in the finals. But in general, James Wiseman, another difference between him and Clay is he plays a dangerous style. And he is yeah. still young, and I mean, he's still is probably learning how to land on dunks. But if you think about both of his injuries as a rookie, uh, he was pushed on an alley-oop, I think, by Isaiah Stewart. He landed on his wrist, sprained his wrist out about 11 games. Uh, and then, obviously, the one uh, that, that, that tore his meniscus was Kenyon Martin Jr. Uh, just blocking him at the rim, and he kind of landed awkwardly on the knee. And, like, the guy goes for high-flying dunks. I mean, I can remember one. Remember him dunking on Manute Bull or Manute Bull, Bull Bull in Denver? Uh you remember that dunk? I mean, oh, that, yeah. Heck yeah. That was like heck a flying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, he succeeded in that one. He landed fine. But it was like, geez, you're, go, you're going and challenging like a seven-foot-four dude at the rim right now. Like, you know, it's a, he plays a dangerous style. So I could see the argument like, look, just get his body back as like good as possible. Um, be no overly that's, cautious. That's seven feet, 240-something pounds in the air. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, that's, a lot, that's a lot of body mass that's landing. So no, no question about it. And, and you know, that one of the issues is with him is because he's so raw, like he can't play at a lower capacity. He doesn't have the, he doesn't have the, the basketball IQ yet to play at a lower capacity. Whereas like a loony can go out there hobbled because he knows exactly what he needs to do while Wiseman is learning the game. His impact on the game will be, Doing that will be like high flying dunks. Yeah, yeah. it won't yeah. be the he won't be able to smart his way through it yet because he's he still needs to play more. So it doesn't really it doesn't make sense to rush him at all. But they're probably going to be without a center. Yeah. So I want to I want to go through two of the things you said before we move on. Uh, number one, I do think that we get to maybe adding a center, and that'll lead into the second topic. But I do think that this potentially presents an opportunity for them to give him a long stint in the G league in Santa Cruz and it, it kind of shit, you know, mask it under the guise of like, look, it's all about his body. It's all about getting the knee right. And this isn't, we're not disappointed in the second overall pick from a couple of years ago that he's still like, in like that's going to stop us anyway. We oh, know. like it, it, you're, you're correct, but you know how it'll be like, they can oh, present yeah, yeah. it differently because it is injury return. And, um, you know, if he didn't have this yet, if we were sitting there going, look, you could maybe use a long stint in the G League just to get the reps that you're talking about. That's the big thing with him. Um, maybe they can give him eight, nine, ten games in Santa Cruz right when he's he's healthy and back and and just say, look, it's just he needs 35 minutes to test that knee, whatever. Uh, and, you know, that could that could help. Maybe during that time you send Kamega down there, depending on what Moody's up to, maybe you send him down. You know, because he needs somebody with him, right? He needs somebody with him. We're gonna say Kaminga to give him a partner. Here, here's a here's here's a question. Um, I, I'm curious what you think about this. Uh, and we, you know, we've got the Jordan Poole standard, right? The guy goes to the G League, it works wonders for him. He comes back and he's killing. How much of a concern should there be about this working in the reverse for Wiseman? the number two pick going down to the G league and maybe he doesn't kill it. Like you think a number two. And you know what they say about like summer league. And I think that applies somewhat to the G league. I think 
but uh, like it's it's a little bit harder for big men in those environments because yeah, they're yeah. not the one they with the they ball. control it. Yeah, they need like good pick and roll play. They need to be set up a little bit more. Whereas like Jordan Poole can do the setup. Maybe you said Jordan Poole down for the late game stretch down there. To you know who they need. Play. This is just why uh, Quinn Cook was great for them. Right, he could go and he could work. He's gonna feed the guy. Right, he's gonna. He 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 knows the assignment, right? And Jeremy Pargo, get him back. <laughs> right. He, there you go. That's what they need. Kiwi Gardner, get Kiwi Gardner back. Not I would I would be a little bit concerned about Wiseman not go, going down to going down to the G League, not dominating like you might think, and and what impacts that might have. I mean, I mean but at some point, look like he's just like At some point, wherever it is, right, like yeah, produce, no just it. produce. Like if you're not going to produce, then. But if you gonna. if you struggle at the NBA level, it's like okay, that's expected. You know what I'm saying? But again, like you know, I don't know. I remember you last year when we it, it would be in kind of the middles of, of some of those early season struggles he had. It did feel like sometimes we were maybe like kid glove in it. I I don't think they necessarily handled his development well, but. At the same time, like I don't mind at just throwing him in the fire, let him go through these yeah. things. And at yeah. some point, you got to if if me and you are writing in the Athletic that like J- James Wiseman has struggled in his three games down in Santa Cruz, and like questions are are increasing about and if it, that breaks him, he's done yeah, anyway. Like, yeah, I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, the other thing you mentioned, uh, you, you think they need a center? I think. They're going to start Kevon Looney, who, yes, has his injury concerns, obviously. Bielitsa, to me, is kind of a specialist as a stretch five. He'll probably, in certain matchups, particularly if he's hitting threes, uh, he'll make sense next to Draymond Green. Uh, but beyond that, like, I think they are committed to just a ton of small ball. I think they're no going to play they're more committed. small ball than maybe any team in the league. This They've year. already decided that. It's already decided. Yeah. No, they have. And I don't I can understand the argument of like getting a big body in here. And like, I know Jordan Bell is a guy who's been in some of their current workouts right now with a bunch of veterans that are there, you know, Avery Bradley, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, but I mean, we'll get to the 15th spot. They have one open roster spot. You are a proclaimed Gary Payton, the, the second fan, uh, or at least a proponent for him getting that roster spot. And I would agree with you at this point, because I think he provides more to what they want to do than, you know, random big man who's obviously not going to be that impactful unless it's Marcus Sol. I don't think either of us think right now it's Marcus Sol. Do, do they really need a big, or should they just say, "Hey, look, let's read what happened last season." Wiseman and Looney went out at the same time at one point in midseason, and they played some of their best basketball this season. Wiseman went out la- in the last stretch of the, the season. Looney still started, but in general, they played a ton of small ball, a ton of Draymond and JTA together. They go fifteen and five. Why not just commit to the style that worked best? And, and I think that's what they're doing. Well, you're right, right? But the reason is because they didn't commit to the style in the offseason. <laughs> they, they literally was like, nah, we're going this other way, right? We're going we're going big. So, I mean, the reason I think they should get a Gary Payton a second is because they didn't go get the playmaker. They didn't go get the secondary ball handle. Now the question is, who, who are you burning out first? Steph or Draymond, right? That's that's really what you're asking. And if you got to choose, it, it's got to be Steph. You need somebody to spare Steph. And I don't know that Gary Payton spares Steph per se, but you just got to get another ball handler in there, which means Draymond Green is sacrificed on the altar of, of pace, right? 
And there, there is a lot of value in saying, man, we ended the season great. Why don't we just run back with that? And that's essentially what they're going to do if Wiseman's out. But now what if you flip it? What if you burn out too early and now the back end, unless you think Wiseman healthy, you know, this is going to be the injection we need for the post all-star break. To me, that would be the concern uh, is who, who you burning out more. The, the, the reason I would, I would consider a center first off, the question is who, right? There aren't that many options, right? I'm not just getting the big who Steve ain't going to play, but I'll tell you what is, I think their best option is. In a second. I do believe there's a universe where Jordan Poole is just the backup PG and that's just what it is. Right. And, and if you can, if if Steve can stomach that, and you don't have a third ball handler, or that third ball handler becomes Andre Iguodala, now you're just like, okay, we we have the ability to go big. We have somebody we can throw out there who can defend a little bit and rebound and not burn out Draymond in the first few months of the season. Uh, I don't know that that plan is better than the one they chose. Yeah, it's I just, think I think their thought on that was like Jake. JTA can kind of be Draymond's backup, I think, in some ways. That's the Maybe. rim protection that, that I yeah, worry about. But, yeah. you know, Draymond's not a rim protector. The athleticism's not there. They're not going to protect the rim very well this year unless Wiseman takes a leap. They're not going to rebound. Well he protects year. it in a different way. He's not, like, blocking shots at the rim. I know. But he's thwarting. He's kind of like Marcus Gasol would protect Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but my thing is, like, if Marcus Gasol is not willing to – you know, immediately come over. It does not sound like he is. Like maybe, perhaps, if he's feeling the vibes mid-season, that's an. Who's awesome. the guy then? Who's who's? So the- I think. I mean, I don't have a name for this. Maybe I should come up. I with got a, a name names. after yours. Okay. Um, I would use the second two-way spot. I guarantee my name is not your name. Yeah, I probably assume it's not because I'm not even going to give a name. I'm going to give a kind of name. I think they have a second two-way spot, which we forget about. Like that's that's been so useful to them over the last few years. You mentioned Quinn Cook. The only reason they had Quinn Cook late in the season to start in place of an injured Steph Curry was the two-way spot. JGA last year, they cut him out of camp. And the only reason he stuck around is because they used him in the two-way spot and, and played him a bunch. And I do think Damian Lee was a regular yep, in that yep. spot. Yeah. Damian Lee. Uh, Marquise Chris, they were able to keep him around in a two-way spot. And then, you know, that's, by the way, might might be the name that would have worked, although he's now from Portland on my care. That's the, that's the name I was thinking, except, yeah. Yeah, no, he's important. Um, so I would say, you know, this is up to your scouting department, but the best young big that you believe, you know, fits into the system from the G League or, you know, wherever. Like, bring him to camp and, and see if you can win the second two-way spot. But you can have an extra big body in the two-way slot and then still keep Gary Payton. The easy answer to all of this later. It's Ben Simmons. That's your guy. That's your backup five right there. There you go. Might be your starting five. There's the how, guy. How are you going to pull? How are you going to pull? You're not pull Ben Simmons off with what uh, upstairs yeah. is willing to give up for Ben Simmons, which is like you know, which is like a, a paper cutter, <laughs> a gift card to God's roadside that just opened and thrives it, and not even Wiggins. Do you think that you think if it was just Wiggins and Filler, they do it? Yeah. I think they. I think that's a straight up type deal that could get done. I don't I mean, know if they, they wouldn't. That's bad. I don't know that they do it. I think they love. I think Joe. Loves I mean, Wiggins. 
I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, if you're talking straight up, just well, yeah, because the thing about that, if you're just talking about like smart, like first of all, this is an absurd conversation because Philly would never do this, but uh, you just would get that. And if you wanted to flip that sentence, then you could flip them for something much better than Andrew Wiggins uh, is currently giving you. But anyway, uh, that's not happening. But good, that's good backup. But box. Ben Simmons is the backup. That that's the guy. Him and Draymond, you don't even need a center at that point. I'm okay. Uh, no, topic number two goes along with that ideal candidate for the 15th spot. Uh, I'm throwing Gary Payton the second in here. I'm throwing Michael Mulder in here. He's under non-guaranteed, uh, which is a valuable non-guaranteed because if let's say they decide to keep Michael Mulder around, uh, or you. It, they could cut him at any time before January. If let's say a month in, they're like, you know what? A big is needed. Slash him, bring in a big. Uh, they could do that. Michael Mulder also, like I said, eligible for the two-way slot. Peyton is not because you have to have been, I believe it's four years of service or less to, to be eligible for a two-way spot. They brought in Derek Collison a couple weeks ago for uh, a couple just, you know, I say workouts, but it, it's a few drills. And then it's just a bunch of pickup with some of their current players, just some, some random people in the gym this week. They're having this like veteran, you know, old unwanted veteran summit, which includes <laughs> Isaiah Thomas. What a branding unwanted veteran summit. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, which I think is an interesting name. Avery uh, Bradley has been linked to the Warriors for like four or three years now. I am. Are you surprised Avery Bradley couldn't get a guarantee anywhere this summer? I mean, maybe I, I, I am actually, I am. Yeah. Uh, and Quinn Cook was there, but now Quinn Cook has signed a non-guarantee with Portland up with Marquise Chris. You're, I'm going in. I mean, I wrote a whole story about it. I'm going in believing Gary Payton kind of, had, you know, is is a nudge ahead of everybody else just because of what he does and how fond the coaching staff is of him. But it's an open competition. I want. I would want that type of player. I want somebody who can defend. Uh, you're gonna have an issue with guarding point guards. Like that's and you don't have Kelly Oubre who did that role. You don't have Ken Batesmore who did that role. And you just can't be throwing clay on these guys. And you can't have Steph doing it for a steady diet because he's got to carry your offense. So they need somebody who can who at least if a guy gets hot, you have another option. Uh and I feel like Gary Payton has proven he could be a nuisance type, uh, the, the, you know, uh, uh, probably not as good at it as Patrick Beverly, but that ilk of player. Avery Bradley is intriguing because of that, just because of the nightmares he's given Steph over his career. Like, he's a guy who can do that, but he's also older, and I don't, I don't know if they want to go that old with it. But to me, I, I think that's the kind of guy you want. Pick up full court. You can't dribble the ball in front of him or he's going to take it. And he's like in that perfect JTA sweet spot, right? Like, like number of games, young, inexperienced, but not really because they've taken this super windy, long road to this point. And now they're at that 27, 28, 29 year old age where you a little bit more mature. You've seen some things and you're just trying to fight for a spot. I feel like they've benefited from the desperation of trying to hold a roster spot. They've benefited from those type of guys. That's kind of been their bit of a secret sauce from Marquise Chris to, you know, Damian Lee, Michael Mulder, right? These guys who are like, yeah, JTA, I'm getting, uh, this is my only shot. This is my last hope and I'm taking it. I, I feel like 
that I mean that's clearly where Gary Payton is, right? And yeah, he he, me, he has to go win this job, and he's like really confident he came. You know, you've talked to him. Super, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I do think there's 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 just like a belief within him that like just just let me on the court playing basketball with this group of guys for two In his weeks. case was give me a full camp, right? Don't yeah. bring me in at 10 days and I can't do anything. I'm just sitting on the side. Give me a full camp to show. Give me a preseason and give me time to win you over is his case. Yeah, and the other thing is um, – you know, they've labeled playmaking guard as kind of a need where they're thin, and he's not that. Like, Darren Collison would be much more that. Uh, but Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> Isaiah Thomas would be more that. Uh, but I'm, he doesn't – he's kind of a, a solid fit for the system offensively. I, I can remember games where they put him in Boston, and it's like, yeah, he's technically a point guard but because he can guard point guards. But he – Draymond Green's handling up top, and – they're ignoring Gary Payton in the corner. He knows exactly when to cut. He got a couple layups because he's like he's like a pretty good slasher trying to become a better three-point shooter. Obviously, that's a swing factor in his career, just like it was for JTA. But he moves well offensively. He can't shoot. That's a problem. Uh, if you're a role player in the NBA, like that, sometimes that's a death sentence. But I kind of like how he operates with Nick offense besides when he lines up a three. No question. I like the way he looks to pass the ball. I think Kyle Kami has pointed pointed out before. He's definitely too loose with the rock, right? Uh, which you know is. I don't think he'll be handling it much, though. That's the thing. Like, he's basically a, he'd basically be an offensive wing for them, and if needed, a defensive point guard. So I like him in trans. If 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 they're playing well, if he's on the court, there's they should be defending well in transition. I like him. He's definitely explosive. Right. He's going to finish. Uh, they don't have any guards who could, you know, remember the Russell Westbrook's play? They were run <laughs> where he's like in the corner and Katie's got the ball in the opposite left. And next thing you know, he's catching that back door. Yeah, line. Yeah. Like Gary Payton can do that. He ain't getting as high as Russ, but they don't have another guy who can do that. I, don't know, I saw uh, Jordan Poole try to dunk on LeBron. Right? <laughs> That's right. But, I do right. but like, I, I like that part of him. Um, but he, you know, in the in a summer league setting, he's trying to whip it around. He's trying to pass the ball, but he gets a little loose with it. Uh, it's going to come down to if he can knock down enough shots during the period where they got to decide. I mean, that's really what it's going to be. Or if they actually value the defense, like they say. But if he can knock down a couple shots, he just makes perfect sense. And then you know, the other guys who are coming in, they just have the durability issues, and I just the Warriors can't afford that so much because they have clay coming back from injury because Steph just played this compressed season, right? Like they just can't afford, they need reliable bodies. They don't need guys who might not be out. They, they, to me, that's why as much as I think Isaiah Thomas could come be a guy, get you, he's, he's going to get you 25 in a game. You need it, right? Like he's going to be one of the guys like two or three times a year. He's going to explode, get you 25 you really needed it. Everybody kind of got a night Social off. Social media going crazy. I yeah, that. absolutely. He's gonna do that. Now, I don't know if I Marcus don't know. Marcus Thompson if, got a huge calm the next day. You know what I'm saying? Isaiah Thomas is back. Uh, th- they could use that guy, but I think that's got to be Jordan Poole. So, so to me, that's tempting, right? That's tempting. The the guy who could go, Steph, you're off tonight. We got somebody else who could get thirty. Like 
to me, that's a tempting thing, but you just don't know how many games he's going to play. And I don't know if they can afford that while waiting on these key figures to come back. They need reliable bodies out there, which, you know, which is why, you know, Michael Mulder, man, like that dude show up, bro. Like as much as we lament his, uh, the shooter who don't make enough shots, he, he, he shows up, he, he plays, he's there every game. He, th- those two, those type of guys are valuable, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the, and the other possibility that I keep wanting to make sure I mention, and I did it on the last podcast too, but, you know, teams that are way over the tax and have shown to sometimes want to slash the prices in the margins as the Warriors the last couple of seasons have, uh, sometimes leave the 15th spot open. You can't yeah, you leave two absolutely. open spots. You can leave one open spot uh, to start the season. And it's, you know, I don't know what the argument is, might be like if they come out and be like, well, nobody impressed in camp or something like that. But I just, they're, they're, they're messaging out that, that they're having a camp competition for 15, which would indicate they're willing to pay for the 15th roster. So you have to pay the tax on that. Like last, if you pick up a veteran on that vet veteran minimum, any, but the I mean, league any, picks up part of it, right? Uh, yeah. Well, it, it goes down to the like bare minimum of like yeah. a rookie minimum essentially. But I mean, we it's know it's not tax free, right? No, it's not tax free. Okay. It's, uh, you know, at, at this point for them, it's like you know, four or $5 per dollar. Yeah, exactly. They're paying like five mil or something, you know, even more than that. Um, anyway, uh, number three, you, we've mentioned him a few times, Jordan Poole, but I, I have the question who should start for Clay Thompson. Keep that seat warm. For Jordan Clay Poole. Thompson. Yeah. Um, could you, I, make the argument for a Damian Lee for an Otto Porter just to get Jordan Poole comfortable in the role that he will live on this team, which as you mentioned is backup point guard, but you could still get him 25, 30 minutes a night, you know, half with Steph, half without Steph. You definitely get him on the court for basically all the non-curry minutes. Um, and you give Damian Lee, for example, who's always been kind of a capable fill-in, uh, you give him the first six minutes or something just to, keep the patterns a little smoother rotationally. That would be the argument for not Jordan Poole. But at the same time, I feel like I'm with you. I feel like they believe that Jordan Poole, like, emergence is coming. And if they think that, like, just starter 30 minutes a night, just get it going. Yeah, I think we saw enough of last year that Wiggins is not going to be reliable as that number two go get you 20 type, right? And I do think you got to have, like, Steph needs that. That's what makes Clay so valuable. And I, I like like Damian Lee is the obvious choice. It's the one we've seen before, right? But while he spreads the floor, he's not a guaranteed 20 out there. He's not gonna hit you. You know, he's not gonna make defenses say we gotta guard him because he's gonna light us up for 20. Uh, I think they need that because Wiggins is, you know, hit or miss. Like he, he he's good for 15. But they need they need somebody next on the court with Steph who scares the defense or who could punish the defense for paying too much attention to Steph. We just saw a lot of it last year where Steph is trying to create. And it was better with Damian Lee because he actually spread the floor for Steph. So that's not nothing. But Jordan Poole is looking like one of them dudes who's like, I'm about to hit you for 25 if you keep messing around. And I don't know if they have – I kind of – they need that. They need if you're gonna go small, you're gonna commit to it off the gate with no wise men. You might as well put your horses on the court, and he'll 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 figure it out later instead of playing it a little bit conservative 
I like the idea of Steph. And this is what we saw at the end of the year, right? Steph with Jordan Poole on the court. And Wiggins was even better in that situation. So to me, that's kind of what I think is more important to lean in if you're going to do it. Yeah, and I think it would be kind of a statement by Curry that, like, this season's a bit different. He's operating a bit <laughs> would, different. Would that be different than a statement from last year, you think? A little bit. Um, all right, number four. <laughs> a newcomer whose, pre, whose camp and preseason you're most interested in. And your five uh, options are Otto oh. Porter, Nemanja Bielica, Andre Iguodala, Moses Moody, or the guy I think you're going to choose, Jonathan. Jonathan Kaminga, baby. Jonathan Kaminga. I'm not, I mean, look, I'm not saying I'm not interested in the other guys, but man, if if just say they all max out and do the best they can do, Kaminga is the one who's like, yo, he just changed the whole, he just changed everything. And you mean if Nemanja Bielica doesn't, if he maxes out this year, you don't think he could be? Hey, if they get a good year from Bielica and Porter Jr., I, it'll be definitely helpful. If they get a good year from Kaminga, it literally changes the scope of the franchise. <laughs> like They literally might start shopping dudes after that, right? Like, yo, we're but, moving, hey, let, new eras beginning now. Let's pause this podcast so Joe Lake can, uh, you know, pose himself down after. <laughs> no, you're right. I do, I do think, you know what it is? It's the uniqueness of his ability with this team. Right. Like, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of six eleven shooters, but they got dudes who can stand in the corner and shoot. They just don't have another Kaminga. They don't have that guy. So I'm interested to see, like, how that works. I especially want to see how it works with Steph and Draymond and eventually, obviously, with Clay. But guys who can take it like they can create the spaces where he will take advantage of. And he can take advantage of them. Like that's, you know, that's the part uh, you can already see Steph coming off the screen to the wing and the two guys chasing them and Kaminga's open. He's banging that. Like, like he's attacking the rim with that. That's not a floater. That's not a layup. He's trying to dunk on two people with that. To me, that's what I want to see. I want to see if his, like how his unique set of skills on this team fits with this team to, to me that's what I, I i can't wait to see it yeah preseason is the, the type of situation where you can see but had steve minute total of that because the reality is even if he bangs a dunk where he's like you know slashing off curry's gravity or something he's probably going back on the other end and getting back cut steve Kerr's over there looking up at, at mike brown and kenny atkinson like oh, like come on we talked about this um so you know, regular season comes around. I just think there's going to be a quick pull on on Kamingo whenever he does get tested. But in the especially free season, when he when he goes ISO on the wing, like yo, I got this dude. But should <laughs> he play three? <laughs> should he play thirty minutes in the preseason? I mean, like per game, essentially. Should he? He should definitely get out there to feel like Curry Draymond. Short and, off season, yep. Short off season for the yeah, absolutely. It's what uh, Wiseman had been has been missing the last couple. Yep. Of years. This is what coming in. I'd run. I'd play that dude a lot. I play him a lot. I yeah. want to see him every minute. So that, that that's the clear answer to the question. But I mean, I am curious. I mean, you mentioned Bielitsa and Porter a little. I want to see what kind of shape Auto Porter's in. And even you know Iguodala. You know, I watched plenty of him on the Heat the last couple of years, but not on an every minute basis like we did with the Warriors. Like, what can he still give? It'll be interesting. 
because because that probably matters more to like this season's playoffs than so facts right Andre Hill no question yeah no question at all and you know he'll probably have more than what we've seen yeah he's he's not exactly gonna max it out in preseason when we talk about Jonathan Kaminga's preseason minutes divide that by yeah 99 99%. flip the numbers for for (laughs) superimpose the number I am interested in seeing Otto Porter only because we've seen what his proverbial ceiling is right We've seen what peak out of Porter is like. Seen his floor too, I think, for the last couple. Yeah, you know. <laughs> the ceiling. The ceiling is the floor. No, no. Uh, <laughs> but like the way he sticks corner threes at his peak, if they could get, if they could just get that, like obviously the defense would be good. The length is great. If he could be a reliable corner three shooter, that's what they need. Uh, and the, the part that I like about this whole Porter situation, uh, like Moses Moody, is the bar is set in Damian Lee, and that's a pretty high bar. Like you're gonna have to outplay Damian Lee, and he can do that. He he can hit. He hits the corner shot. He he hustles on D. Like he works on defense. So you already know what bar Porter has to clear, and he's got he's got the better size. So <clears throat> you know where to fit, but you basically see what Porter can do in this offense if he brings his A game and maybe even elevate it because he's got more size. But all these dudes are gonna have to beat out. You're gonna have to beat out Damian Lee and Juan Toscano Anderson. And that's a great problem for the Warriors because those dudes are not giving up those spots easy. You're gonna you gonna have to take it from them. And to me, that you can't ask for more than that from, from that part of the bench. Yeah, uh, last topic. Um, just the uh, – Hold on. You didn't say who you was looking most forward to. I oh, I mean, I you did come in. Gary Payton a second. Not, not Moody? Come on. I mean, I he's up there. It's probably coming at Moody if we're just talking preseason training camp because you want to see what the rookies early can give. We kind of – I mean, we definitely know who Iguodala, Bielita, Porter are generally. I mean, yeah. again, we want to see what type of shape they're all in. But, you know – is Moses Moody going to look like a guy who, you know, you mentioned pushing Damian Lee, pushing JT. Is Moses Moody as a 19-year-old going to already look like a guy that's pushing for, uh, you know, wing rotation minutes? Or is it going to – or are we going to know early, like, yeah. he like he's ready. 19, yeah. like maybe in a year? Um, so, I mean, that that is – it's definitely the two rookies in three seasons. Yeah. Not Chris Chioza? You're not looking at – you're not looking at forward to seeing? That's Kenny Atkinson. He's looking <laughs> The coaches. How about the coaches? As a uh, there yeah. you go. Here you go. Starting to cons- I can't. If it go down like you said, like you imagined, I will be. Yo, I will. I'll promise you. I will sing your praises on this one. Uh, hilarious. Draymond and Steph are just my last topic, and this maybe it's more of a media day, like interview messaging, but just you know, just where they're at on this season and, and this plan that the Warriors have, this kind of win now, develop now type plan. Uh, I, you know, we all assume Steph is going to be, you know, optimistic. Draymond had an interesting summer, but I don't think he's going to, you know, take a flamethrower in the media day and start going like, why didn't we trade this? We can only hope, right? Yeah. But I just, you know, I I just want to hear what he has to say in media day. And I want to, and just after he's seen Kaminga a few times in the games and he kind of sees the plan unfolding, just his thoughts and, and just his disposition about, 
the state of, of the franchise over these first few weeks. I'm definitely interested in seeing how Draymond looks because, <laughs> you know, the talking point from him was last year I was ready, right? And then, you know, I, I, had, to, I had to sit it out. But he was ready. You know, he came into the offseason. He worked hard. He came in in great shape. He felt like his shot was there. You know, he was ready. Uh, so, you know, I imagine that's the plan this offseason, too. Uh, and he played in Team USA in part to make sure he was staying ready. So I, I want to see how he looks. I want to see, you know, not like like how how the how he looks in the uniform, but like how he looks on the court. If he's the Draymond who's like, yo, in March I'm gonna get in shape, or is he the Draymond who is like, yo, I'm ready now, L- let's go. When Clay's back, I'm this. back. Exactly right. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested in that. We know what Steph gonna look like, right? We know what he's gonna do, but yeah, Draymond and, is what I'm intrigued to see. And you know, I mean, a lot of that might be on what he sees in these practices and in these preseason games. <laughs> You know, if he's like, oh, you know, we how, wait, how, how fast did he turn it off in the 2019-20 season? Like, how? <laughs> the D'Angelo Russell experiment yeah. did not invigorate him. It did not see. It did not invigorate him. That's funny. Uh, so you know, I did. That's why I, I'm not even just saying media day. I'm really saying that first. Show. Oh yeah, tra- yeah, yeah, no question. The first training camp. I yeah. mean, he his media day is going to be interesting. He's. He's been very vocal this offseason, right? I would be, I would not be shocked if he has something to say intriguing at Media Day. He's a guy who's uh, you know, he's getting his uh he's getting his max money now. <laughs> like he you know, yo, I'm getting paid, my deal is done. Uh let's go. He he ain't shy at all. So I wouldn't be I would not be surprised. Uh but I what what can Draymond? A lot of this rides on Draymond. A lot of it lies rides on him being in great shape, return, being a defensive player of the year candidate, and providing some offense, right? Some some form of offense. Like that's what it, it's a lot on him. As much as he, uh, you know, as much as he might point out some other elements, a lot rides on him. A lot of their success depends on if he can be anything like the Draymond from 2016, 2017. Okay, no doubt. And we will have some of those answers next week. We have Media Day Monday, a few practices, and then I assume we'll do a Media podcast. Day is Monday? Yeah. Jeez. I know. Oh, that was fast. Don't remind me. Um, and, you know, we'll get some practices. Uh, it, I don't know what we're doing the podcast next week, but we will do one next week, and it will have some observations from early camp and media things. So we will talk to you then. Peace out.